Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God the Father and from the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God, which we will consider today, is a continuation of our epistle reading from the book of Acts in the fourth chapter, and we continue on at verse 13 in Jesus' name. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and found out that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were astonished and took note of the fact that these men had been with Jesus. But since they saw the man who had been healed standing there with them, they could not say anything in reply. After they had ordered them to leave the Sanhedrin, they discussed the matter among themselves. They asked, what should we do with these men? To be sure, it is evident to all who live in Jerusalem that a miraculous sign has been done through them, and we cannot deny it. However, in order that this may spread no further among the people, let us give them a strict warning not to speak any longer to anyone in this name. Then they summoned them and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Decide whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. These are the words. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, dear fellow redeemed, before and after photographs are commonly used in the world of advertising. In an advertisement, we're shown, for example, the difference that a skincare product or a weight loss program can make for their customers as we see them prior to using that product, and then after having done so. Here in our text this morning, from the book of Acts, we are shown a very sharp and distinct contrast. It's a before and after picture, primarily of the apostle Peter. Now in the custody of the ruling body of the Jews in Jerusalem, we see him boldly defend himself. The contrast here is seen when we remember that just weeks before this, Peter stood shivering outside the courtroom where the Lord Jesus was being interrogated and abused, shaking not just from the cold but from fear of being discovered as one of Jesus' disciples. In fact, that night, Peter swore an oath that he did not even know who this Jesus was. But things had changed in the weeks between these two incidents. What was it that happened? At the festival of Pentecost, the promised Holy Spirit came upon Peter and the other disciples in the form of tongues of fire and the ability to speak the gospel in foreign languages. Jesus promised that these miracles would happen, and he also promised that the Holy Spirit would comfort and give them courage in the face of danger. So in looking at 
these verses of our text this morning, we see as our theme, the Holy Spirit gives us renewed obedience and courage. The mouse becomes a lion. A timid man gains strength to speak and to defend his faith in a hostile environment. This is the courage the Holy Spirit gives as he works in us renewed obedience to our Lord. He gives us courage to speak, courage to confess, courage to persist. All of this started when Peter and John healed a crippled man who had been stationed at the entrance to the Jerusalem's temple. A crowd gathered and Peter then preached to them a bold and inviting sermon pointing to Jesus as their Savior. This excitement drew the attention of the religious leaders and the two disciples were arrested and taken before the Sanhedrin, that is, the supreme ruling body of the nation. Now the two must answer for their actions to men like Annas and Caiaphas, the rulers who had presided over the torture and the death of Jesus just weeks before. In situations such as this, the Sanhedrin assembled themselves in a semicircle with the defendants standing alone in the middle. The accusers wasted no time. By what power or by what name did you do this? Remember that Peter was a fisherman by trade, and he was from the region of Galilee, up north, considered a backwoods place by the sophisticated rulers in Jerusalem. Peter was not an accomplished orator, not trained in the finer points of public debate, and now here he was acting as his own defense attorney with his life on the line. But Peter and John weren't alone. They weren't outmatched. As he gathered himself to respond to the charges, Peter could remember what Jesus had promised. He said, on my account, you will be brought before the governors or kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But at that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. So now as he began to speak, the Holy Spirit was present with Peter, giving him the very words and the needed courage for just that moment. Specifically, he was given the necessary courage to confess Jesus. He declared, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that it was by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you healed. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. It's the Holy Spirit who today still gives Christians the courage to speak in some frightening places before some frightening crowds. That happens every day somewhere in the world. Sometimes it happens even among us. It's the Holy Spirit who gives us, who by nature are 
quite timid and bashful, the ability to announce what to human reason is simply ridiculous, that Jesus Christ is the true Son of God, that Jesus was crucified, that he rose again from the dead. He, the lowly prophet from the lowly village of Nazareth, did not remain in his grave, and now in his exalted state, the Bible says he fills the universe. He's present and active everywhere on behalf of his people. In fact, such was the courage in this new devotion worked in him by the Holy Spirit that Peter could actually stand there and accuse these powerful religious leaders, these dangerous men of being foolish builders who tried to construct a building without a foundation resting on a cornerstone. By rejecting Jesus Christ, they were making a spiritual structure that would only crumble in the dust. That foundation of Jesus Christ who comes to us still in his word and in communion with his forgiveness is the mighty platform on which we stand and speak and confess the truth as his disciples. Resting on that strength, we find the courage to insist on something that the world hates to hear. Namely this, there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Jesus is not someone that the, we people could take or leave depending on our personal preferences. Jesus came to be the way of salvation from hell for all people, no one excluded. He is the Savior who died for one and all, for each one of us, as St. Paul wrote, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them. And yet we should remember and never forget that Jesus is the one and only way to salvation. He's not an item on a menu among other selections to be chosen or overlooked. Peter told his inquisitors, also, they can't rely on themselves for their salvation. They shouldn't wait for a savior more suitable to their tastes. He told them simply, salvation is found in no one else. It was the presence and the work of God the Holy Spirit who gave Peter this previously disobedient, skittish, disciple, the courage to stand there before the Sanhedrin and speak to them and confess Jesus as the one and only Savior for the entire world. Now, how did his audience there in the Sanhedrin react? Witnessing their bravery and eloquence, we read they were astonished and took note of the fact that these men had been with Jesus. But despite this realization, their spiritual blindness continued and they ordered Peter and John to cease and desist, to no longer preach in the name of Jesus. Thirdly, we see that their obedience as disciples of the Lord was evident in the courage the Spirit gave them to continue on, to persist. 
Now, we might think that these two disciples should have been quite content to be released from custody without a severe beating, without possibly even being killed, that they should have felt fortunate to simply escape with their lives. But that wasn't the case. Without hesitation, they gave this answer to the order of the Sanhedrin. They said, you decide whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God. As followers of Jesus, they did not want to rebel against the government. Christians want to be good, obedient citizens. But when the government placed them in a position where they would have to now deny the Lord, they had to refuse. They would persist in holding to and preaching his word. Besides, there was really no option for them. They said, we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Jesus once declared that everything is possible with God. Everything is possible for those who believe. But it is not possible to be silent when the honor of God, the honor of our Savior, is concerned. Peter and John would have to disobey this order that was given them. They had no choice but to keep preaching the gospel everywhere to everyone. And they did that very thing. The book of Acts shows us, as we read it, how the disciples persisted in their obedience, even in the face of terrible persecutions and executions. See how the original disciples lived and worked and died every day in love with their Savior, working with the courage given to them by the Holy Spirit. Peter and John and the others are gone now. They now walk in the halls of glory. They're at peace in the bliss of heaven. And we'll meet them someday. But their work of spreading the good news must still be carried out here on earth. And that's the task that remains for us. We might gulp in fear as we ponder that because we confess that like Peter at Jesus' trial, we too tend to shrink before the power and the threat of the unbelieving world. We confess that we're not always very obedient to our Lord, but rather we become quite adept at fitting in, unrecognized and silent among those who deny Christ. We are called still to bravely speak and confess and persist in our discipleship, even before those who close their eyes and their ears to the message and scoff at it. But as believers, we know that Christ Jesus is really still here with us and that by the promised Holy Spirit, he is still comforting and encouraging us in our lives and in our work. He gives us the courage needed to speak before a hostile, unbelieving world, the courage to confess that because Jesus died and rose again, all of our sins are forgiven, and that salvation is found in no one else, only in him. The Holy Spirit is still working in us through the word, through holy communion, to persist in the teeth of the world's hatred until the Lord returns to take us home to heaven. 
So along with the disciple Peter, you and I should see ourselves in this account, this before and after picture. For like Peter, we are naturally timid, skittish, and afraid, and easily overwhelmed by the world and its domineering opinions and reactions to Jesus. But thanks and praise to God, the Holy Spirit, who brings us to faith and keeps us in that faith through the preaching of the gospel. And by it, he gives us renewed obedience and courage to speak and to confess and to persist in the face of any danger or intimidation. All praise to him. Amen.